morning and welcome to Crosstown. Welcome to our new series called Plotline. Today we're going to be doing it a little bit differently than we've done it in the past. And I think you're going to enjoy it. I, I feel like me, when I go into summer mode, I, even, I know I'm the pastor of this church and I know I'm supposed to love going to church all the time. But let's just go ahead and just break through that lie and just get right to it. I'm just like you. When it comes summertime, I want to be fishing. I want to be in a kayak someplace, wrestling some red fish into the grass, and, or I want to be walking on some Appalachian Trail and all that. And so there's something about our brains that at summertime we've been trained to kind of like gear down on our learning. So what I wanted to do is in, instead of you feel like you're being preached at, I wanted to create a, a moment where you will kind of artistically be brought into the moment and, and hear different concepts and thoughts. So we're gonna be doing it a little bit differently. And I'm gonna be teaming up with my friends, Tim Mackey and John Collins. Now, the great thing about these friends of mine, they don't even know I exist, okay? <laughs> So they're not really my friends, but they've done everything that they've done so that I can do what I do. Um, have you ever gotten to the point in life where you lose the plot to something? I was watching Moonlight. I, I think that's what it's called. It's the uh, Marvel guy. That's, yeah, yes, with M Moon Knight. Yeah, see, in the middle of it, so I was watching it with my kids and we, we were watching, you know, when I watch something, I fall asleep for about 15 minutes, wake back up, and then fall asleep and fall back. So I fell asleep during a, a part of the plot line. And then when I woke back up, I saw this one guy. I'm like, yeah, he's a good guy, you know? And it turns out, my, my kids all look at me like, what are you, whacked? And I'm like, no, no, I really think this is a good guy. And all of a sudden, he like destroys a whole herd of human beings in a really grotesque kind of way. I'm like, I think I might have lost the plot line. And, and that's what we're going to do is because I think socially we have lost the plot line of what God's about. I think personally we can lose the plot line about what God's about. I think at times culturally, churches, personally, we go to sleep on the plot line and we kind of forget what it's about. We get caught in an episode and forget about what the whole series is about. So this summer, we're going to be looking at parts of the plot line. What do they really mean? And we're going to try to understand them more to kind of get the story back on track in our lives. So today, we're going to be talking about eternal life, um, an idea that you already have that you may have to unlearn a little bit in order for us to kind of get what is the plot about eternal life. But let's watch together and learn some. If you know very much about the story of the Bible, you've probably heard that Jesus offers eternal life. Sounds nice, but what does Jesus mean by eternal life? Well, Jesus adopted this phrase from the Hebrew scriptures. In English, it's translated eternal life or sometimes everlasting life. But the phrase literally translated from Hebrew is life unto the age. Life unto the age. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a dense phrase. And to understand it, we need to first talk about what an age is in the Bible. Let's do it. So the Hebrew word for age is olam, and it refers to a period of time. What length of time? Well, any length of time, actually. And it can be in the past or in the future. What matters is that it's a period of time with some common attribute that remains constant. So, for example... So, like the time of Abraham and his descendants all the way up to Moses. The common attribute is it's the time of Moses' ancestors. And so Moses can say, remember the days of the age. 
the years of past generations and elders. Okay. Or an age can be shorter and in the future. Like Samuel, who's going to spend his whole life serving in the temple. During his dedication, his mother Hannah calls this an age. So an age is a period of time that has a unique and constant characteristic. Exactly. And there can be all sorts of different ages, depending on what you want to focus on. You got it. And so someone could live in two ages at the same time if those ages happen to overlap. All right, so back to the phrase, life unto the age. What age is this talking about? Okay, so in the beginning of the biblical story, humans are made from the dust of the ground. This is a common biblical image for creatures that are mortal. That is, they live in an age where they could die. But God takes humanity and places them in a sacred garden where they're invited to experience a new and deeper kind of life. By eating from the tree of life. Yeah, we're told it offers them life unto the age, a life of infinite potential because it connects them to God's own divine life. But the story takes a turn. And instead of accepting life unto the age, they eat of the tree of knowing good and bad. Right, taking from this tree means seizing life for themselves on their own terms, apart from God's wisdom. And so they're exiled from life unto the age, and they go into the age of death. They mistreat each other, they do what's right in their own eyes, things get really violent. Exactly. And so the whole rest of the story of the Bible can be thought of as a choice between two different ages. The age of life on our own terms that leads to death, or the age of God's own life. And while humanity has rejected God's life, God promises he'll open the way back. Exactly. And it's that promise that ultimately leads the story to Jesus. He's presented as God's own life become human, so that both ages overlap in him. He lives in the age of mortality and death and in the age of eternal life at the same time. And so he can offer people access to life unto the age. Right. It's like what Jesus says in the Gospel of John. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Yet, just like humanity rejected God's life in the garden, Jesus was rejected and put to death. But God's life is more powerful than death. And so Jesus rises from the dead, and he can offer God's life to others. Like the Gospel of John also says, Whoever trusts in him will not perish, but has eternal life. That is, life unto the age. Cool. Now, most people think of eternal life as something that happens after you die. But in the Bible, access to this age is something I can have right now. Yeah, remember, Jesus was the place where the age of God's life meets the age of death. And that means that when people trust him, they can experience eternal life here and now. But we also still live in the age of death. So what happens when I die? Well, just like death couldn't overpower God's eternal life in Jesus, similarly, we can remain alive to God even if we're physically dead. In the Bible, this is called being with Christ. And it's not talked about very much because it's not how the overall biblical story ends. The focus of the Bible is about when the age of life completely overcomes the age of death. And those who are with Christ are recreated to share in God's eternal life. A world where the age of death no longer has any power. Exactly. Because life that is fully connected to God's own eternal life and love is a life that will never end. What a beautiful 
representation of a complex idea. What a really neat way to refresh it because I, I think most of us do look at eternal life and heaven as the same thing. And we tend to make it as something that is going to take place in the future and we're not aware of it right now. So this concept of age is really important and it's talked about. And I love the definition that they gave, that an age is a period of time with some common attributes that remain constant. And that there are times when ages have overlapped. So we're all familiar with the age of humankind. We're all familiar with the Stone Age and the Bronze Age and the Iron Age and the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, and all the different empires that have risen and fallen on planet Earth. And, and they, they kind of tell the story of the kingdom of mankind. And the activity seems to be the same. What we see going on in the Ukraine right now is pretty much no different than what we've seen in the kingdom of man over all the eons of time that we have been on this planet. The activity seems to be the same. There are these um, moments that we encounter that are ages and they have certain kind of attributes to them. Now, even in part and small, you can experience little ages, like I'm 63 years of age. And so there, there uh, are things that I have experienced that kind of express this. And, and one of them would be fashion. I remember when you know you used to go to the uh, drugstore this and, and get a soda, a, a sarsaparilla or whatever that that drink was, and and you'd get some pop and you would sit. You know the fashion was different, and you you did the twist and all that stuff. And and then I remembered the '60s and all the different outfits that were happening there, and the G, all the love and power and weed that was being smoked and Woodstock and all that stuff and there was a fashion about it guys started wearing beads and and Nehru jackets anybody else have a Nehru jacket growing up and uh, wow okay maybe I was in my own age by myself but you know I, I remember being 13 14 years old that I had a Nehru jacket it's kind of got a collar like this like a Roman Catholic priest and then I would wear a long amulet around my yeah yeah it was it was different time it was a different time yeah I also remember John Travolta and all that stuff and I remember all when nylon was invented and bought into it a, a lot and I remember all that stuff that went on then you've got the the uh the 80s, you got the 90s with Dennis Rodman and North Korea. Um, you've got uh, <laughs> you, you've got the 70s, man. What bell bottoms, Farrah Fawcett, and all that. But even today, we have these moments where you can see that there are like ages, even among ages. There are things that kind of define us. There are there are sports teams that create dynasty. Everybody everybody remembers the Pittsburgh Steel Curtain. If you're into football, everybody remembers freshly the dynasty of the New England Patriots. Everybody remembers these periods of times. And it's really important to, to realize that you are in an age with common attributes, and we have been born into the age of man. And there are these attributes of, of hope and challenges and cultural values and pain and loss. And I think our materials change like the Stone Age, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, and the Technological Age. They're just different materials that we're pulling from the same earth. 
You know, we think we're like spectacular. We're amazing. We're so far above the Egyptians and, and the Babylonians and all that. We're just working with different materials. It's all the same age. We're treating each other the same way that everybody's been treating each other all along. It's, the players are just different, or the cars are nicer, or the houses are different. But it's all part of the same age. And it's important to see the contrast of the age of man and this eternal life, uh, uh, this age that God is calling us to, this life that he's calling us to, and seeing that also that ages can run concurrently. Because if you're a Bible belter, and I always say that, and I don't mean it as an insult, I just, I mean it as probably you're from that kind of exposure to the gospel, everything seems to work so linear. We, we, we talk in what's called the phrase of dispensations of God, different periods when God does something different, and all of it's linear. We tend to not think concurrently, that there can be multiple things happening simultaneously. And I have to give credit to Marvel. The idea of multiverses, though it has not been substantiated by string theory that it really exists, is a cool concept that there are other universes that are out there. But all along, before the God particle was ever discovered, Jesus was already declaring to the world that he had a kingdom and that he was bringing that kingdom, and that kingdom is among us. That there are ages that are playing out concurrently, the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. So we learn about Adam and Eve and, and how they decide that they're going to define the age on them. And maybe that's where you're at right now. Your, your, your manifestations, you didn't find a piece of fruit hanging from a tree and had a serpent talk to you, but rather you decided that you were going to live life on your terms. You're gonna, de you're gonna define yourself. We live in a culture that has basically dug up all definition and said, I can define me and my age. And we think, wow. We're so liberated, we're so diverse, we're so enlightened because we get to redefine everything. It's been the kingdom of man all along. It's just, we're just using different materials. And God is inviting us to something much more than just the kingdom of man. I love it in John 10. And, and let me just say, when I read this, you've heard it before, but now insert the concept of age or ages in this. Jesus said, I am the door. Have you ever answered the question, door to what? I mean, we're all like, he's the bread, he's the life, he's the truth, he's all that. But we never actually said, of what? He's the door to what? And what we're learning today, this door into the age of life that he's invited to us is what he is the entrance to. He says, I am the door, and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Have you ever been kind of like knocked down to not apprehend this in faith because of its, it, it, it's almost apparent, it seems like it's not true? Because if you are linear, and if you believe that kingdoms only happen in, in successive order, if, they, if they, they can't happen concurrently, then when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly, pretty much all of us need to go home and evaluate what, how much money we got in the bank. Is that abundantly? Uh, we need to evaluate the quality of our marriages. Is that abundantly? 
We need to look at what's going on in our country and all, because most of us would add it up and say, this really doesn't look abundant unless there is another kingdom that's at work. And if, and instead of evaluating our lives based upon the kingdom of men, because that's what a lot of us do, and we learned that in our own uh, last um, series, we talked about working God instead of following Christ, that we try to work God to, to make the kingdom of man better. And I'm with you right along there. Uh, I, I want God to make me be able to ride my mountain bike again. I want God to be able to fix this about my life. I want God to come in and, and I don't want his kingdom. I want to apprehend God so that he will fix my kingdom. And that's just not what he's offering. Jesus said that I've come that you may have life. He says, I am the door that I invite inviting you into my kingdom. In 1 John 2, 17, it says the world and its cravings are passing away, but the person who does the will of God remains forever. You're gonna find that this, these concurrent age talk, this is not, I'm not bringing you some new, new idea. This has always been a part of the scripture, that the kingdom of man has been going on and the kingdom of God and his Christ is going on exactly at the same time. And he's inviting us to live in an age that overlaps this world, but goes on in perfect love, perfect truth, and perfect goodness. But I think we forget that. I think we get bogged down in this age. Um, I, I like going off-road. I like off-road vehicles. It's kind of a thing, and this is poor. Some poor guy decided that he was going to take his Subaru, been there, done that, and thought he could overcome the mud around him. So he, he, he took his Subaru into the mud, and, and there it lays. And I'm willing to bet, um, I, I'm not sure what they'd get to pull that thing out with, but it's, it gets pretty stuck. And what I have found is that it's easy for us to get stuck in the mud of our age. One of the things that you do in strategy, and we find this in the Bible, that there were times when um, if you stayed in the high country and allowed your enemy to come with all of its chariots and its horses through the valley after a really heavy rainfall, that a smaller force could overcome a stronger force that was armored because the armor force would get stuck in the mud. And I believe that some of us here are supposed to be the stronger force, but we're kind of stuck in the mud of our culture. We're stuck in the, the mud of the age. We're stuck in disappointment or maybe our addictions or maybe fear or anxiety has got us stuck where we're, we're just not getting any traction. We live afraid of this age. That's all going to hell in a handbasket based upon what we're saying. You know, it's always been like this. We just got better stuff to be human with. That's it. And so God is, is inviting us to see that there is another kingdom, there is another age, and that Jesus came to bring that age. And also sometimes we just want to return to an age. You know, if you get about my age, it's funny we use that phrase, but when you get to my age, you want to return to an age. And isn't it funny that we go to high school reunions? Who was it that sat around and said, of all the ages and encounters that you experience as a human being on this planet, 
return to the period of time and see all your friends when you had more zits than you had ever wanted to have, when you were awkward with girls, when you didn't make the football team, and let's celebrate that. And so what we do is we go back to that particular age, and there's something about it. And you say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, I, I, no indictment, but don't we get this pulled back a little bit? Don't we get these filled up a little bit? Don't we get other things tucked, lifted, stretched, pulled? Why? Because we're stuck in the age. It's because when we begin to evaluate ourselves by our age, we begin to get depressed. We want to go back to another time and, and, and make America great again. Things like that. We look backwards. You know, I just read an article that a historian said, and he actually had a date, that human paradise has probably never been closer to being achieved than in the 1950s in the United States. I would have to say for who. Um, but that no civilization probably has experienced the closest to paradise that you could experience on this earth and will ever experience compared to the 1950s. And so what do we want to do? We always want to go back and, and find an age where it was better, as opposed to considering the possibility that Jesus said, I have come to bring the kingdom of God in your midst, and no kingdom, even the gates of hell itself, will not stand against that work. See, we're not... Our goal should not to discover a better America. Our goal should discover the kingdom of God and begin to see it worked in our lives. But a lot of us are thinking, it's like, oh, no, you got it'll all be better when we're dead. Let's not wait until we're dead. Let's discover God in his kingdom now because it's being offered to us now. And Jesus challenges us and to, to get unstuck. Matthew 6, 25, again, you're hearing these verses that you've heard a gazillion times, but now if you hear them in age context, they kind of like, whoa, I get it. Jesus said, do not worry then, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? Now, how many of you here have actually heard that verse like me and has said, yeah, right, okay? I mean, it's like, that's easy for you to say because you can turn a rock into a fish and you can make loaves multiply and all this other stuff. But we, we kind of look at that as just rhetoric. But what if it's possible that Jesus is saying, you get so focused on the here and now and are missing the, the presence of something greater in life right now. He goes on to say more. He says, for the Gentiles eagerly are seeking these things. People of this age, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. What's he doing? He's laying out the concurrencies of ages that you and I have the opportunity to be a part of. We are born of the flesh, but we can also be born of what? The spirit. Again, he's constantly, if you read the scriptures, you see these concurrent ages that are working at the same time, and we are invited to the kingdom of eternal life. He says, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. 
He's trying to get us to see that it's more than the kingdom of humankind. There's a kingdom of God and that we need to start focusing on it, start thinking about it, living in it, and it's happening right now. We also need to realize that Jesus is greater than the age that we live in. Because there's so many people who want to assert themselves as age definers. The argument, who's the greatest quarterback in the NFL history? And right now, we would probably say Tom Brady, okay? But you know, it's so funny. Uh, I can go up to somebody that's in their 20s and ask them, hey, yeah, but do you remember Fran Tarkenton? And they'll be like, who? You remember Terry Bradshaw? Uh, who? You know, do you remember Dan Marino? Who? And, and, and it's so funny that we, th- we have all these people that want to assert themselves, you know, who's greater, LeBron or Michael Jordan, you know? And th- the further we go along with LeBron and forget Michael Jordan, we begin to think that. Then there'll be another person that will rise up and, and will think that's the greatest person of the age. But we need to realize that, that Jesus is greater than the age that we're living in. Because a lot of us as moms and dads, we're scared to death, okay, because of the age that we're living in. And I get it. I don't know what it's like to parent a 13-year-old with a cell phone. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I'm getting lessons every week about what words I'm supposed to use or not use because their definitions are changing so fast. Yeah, I, people will ask me, it's like, well, I mean, I can easily say, well, when my kids were younger, I just kind of boot them like that, did a little bit of that, give them a noogie, and we were on the way. But now, you know, the world is in their palm of their hands, and they're getting all this data and this information, and it's, and it's different. You know, when I used to send people to the room, there was nothing in the room. Now, now everything's in the room. It's like, you're, you're sending me to my room, Right? And this is a punishment, but I got my laptop and my, my phone and all that. Yeah, it's so, it's so different. And we, we, it's easy to just despair of how am I going to raise kids? How am I going to make this marriage work? How am I going to be able to survive what's going on in the world around us? And the reason why we get so desperate is because we've lost the concept and the awareness of eternal life running concurrently with mortal life. The Apostle Paul said, listen, you, you need to realize Jesus is greater than the age. In Ephesians 1, he's, he goes on and he says this. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And that's my prayer today. Is that like you're focusing in on, on, on Joe Biden or Donald Trump or gas prices. I mean, they're crazy. I mean, gas prices are absolutely insane. We're looking at inflation, and everybody's talking about inflation and how high is it. We're, we're, we're focusing on you can't buy a house today and, and all these other things. There's so many things that are getting our chariots stuck in the mud. And Paul says, I pray that your eyes would be enlightened so that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. He's like, stop looking at the mud. Stop thinking something's coming out of the mud that's gonna make this better. The right political party is going to rise up. You know, some new new material that will will work within the earth and, and, and it will change everything. 
He continues and he says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he, he, referring to God the Father, brought about in Christ. When the Father raised him from the dead and seated Christ at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule, all authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. See, age has always been in the Bible. This idea of reigning and ruling. And Paul says, I, I need you guys to see that your addiction is not stronger than Christ. Your failed marriage is not greater than Christ. What the world wants to do with children is not greater than Christ. But you need to see the kingdom of Christ because your answer is not coming from the kingdom of men or women. But then we gotta take the next step. Not only realize that Jesus is reigning, but here's, this is probably the most powerful concept that has affected my life because you, you guys know me. You know what I struggle with, what I've been through, my life experiences, I don't hide them, I share them. And some of you are like, dang man, I don't know how you lift your head in public and actually get up every Sunday morning and dare to represent God in the earth when you have smoked, smoked as much weed as you, you have, and if you've you know, been divorced and remarried and struggled with porn and, and all the different things, it's like, how the heck do you possibly lift your head in the morning and feel special? I'll, I'll tell you why. And this, this, is, this has been it. It's been there all the time. And it's been there all the time for you is we need to realize who we are in this age of life unto the age that's happening right now. Paul in Ephesians 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Not will bless us with every spiritual blessing, but right now, every spiritual blessing has already been given to me. Uh, and this Greek word that's used for a spiritual blessing is kind of like the word that we get for eulogy, meaning that God is speaking something into each and every one of us about each and every one of us into our lives that he wants us to believe greater than the kingdom of man. Remember, Paul gets in some funk, and I don't know what, what, what kind of day he had, but Romans 7 and 8, he kind of falls into a dark space. It's biblical, and it's inspired, and it's true, and I'm glad it's in there because many of us have fallen into that murky, muddy place. The things I shouldn't do, I do. Uh, the things I should do, I don't do. Therefore, I find inside of me this, this warring, the, 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 the law of my mind against the law of my spirit. And then he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And, and he's discovering that inside of him there's this battle of two kingdoms, Two ages that are concurrently working in his life. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And, and I've experienced that wretched man in my life. You know, I can experience it daily and I'll probably experience him tomorrow or like three o'clock today. I don't have anything planned, but I just know that it will end up showing itself. But Paul, right after he says, I am a part of the kingdom of man and I've been in the mud, oh, wretched man that I am, he says, there's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
It's like I realize that I'm like an iceberg. There's part of me below the surface and there's a part of me that's above the surface. We have scientific metaphorical evidence that something can be in two kingdoms exactly at the same time. This is not a leap of faith. This is just taking what we know in science and extending it to the biblical truths. There's a part of me that is seated with Christ in the heavenly. Oh, I jumped ahead. I didn't read that yet. Okay, pretend I didn't say that part. Um, so, so let me read Ephesians 2, 4. It says this, God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, that's one kingdom, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and has raised us up with him, not future tense, already raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places with, in Christ. You're like, dude, you're telling me you are in two kingdoms right now. Absolutely, I am. That maybe my awareness of it is diminished or, or, or veiled, but yet the reality remains true. Right now, I am seated with Christ in the heavenlies, in his kingdom, right now. It's like, what? You're not working for that? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm already there by grace. See, what happens is, is we have life experiences, and, and, and we start putting our heads down. We get our chariots caught in the, in the mud in our lives, and our, our a Subaru, we, we've got in a place where we can't, we can't pull it out from any longer. And we forget who we are in Christ. And we let the pains and we let the failures just mount up and mount up and we just spin our wheels and we get nowhere. But yet we're told in the scripture, Paul saying, I, I want your eyes to be open so you'll grab this. And some of you are like, oh, that's so cool for Pastor Paul. That's so awesome. Because he really was a dirtbag and he really needed to get saved. But you can't see this for you. You can't see. You can't, you can't see this for your marriage. You think your marriage is so stuck in the mud that there's nothing that can be done for it. If there is only one kingdom in the kingdom of mankind, then I would say you're probably right. Your, prob your marriage will fall into some sort of mathematical statistical average that the kingdom of man constantly has. There is a possibility, though, that if you're in the kingdom of heaven, that something entirely different can happen if you begin to walk in those principles. I love it, he says that he's raised us up, seated us with him in the heavenly places, so that in the age to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us. That he's gonna like show it off. He's gonna go like, ta-da, look at that guy. You thought he was just from Boston. You thought he was just Irish and Italian. You just thought he was arrogant. You just thought he was a doofus. And all of a sudden, at the, at the revealing of Christ, you're all of a sudden, all of a sudden realize, I'm pretty, I'm pretty special up here. I am a child of the living God. I am seated with Christ in the heavenlies right now. Do you see how that should change how we interact with each other? Now, I'm going to just stop just for a second and it's not in my notes, but I gotta tell you this. Is that unless Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, none of this is true for you. And I, I know, I mean, it almost makes me cry just to say it. 
the Bible doesn't talk about universalism. We're not all, we are all God's creation. We are all part of the, the kingdom of humankind. We're all part of, we are born into it. We are born of, of water, as John says, but not all of us are born of spirit. And the only way to be a part of this kingdom of Christ and of God is to be born again. You see, that's language of concurrency. To become a new creation. Yes, I'm an old guy here, but to be perishing outwardly, decaying, but inwardly being renewed, there's always this, this concurrent kingdom concept. But you don't just get into it because you're a homo sapien. You don't just get into it because you're created in the image of God. That's part of the dominion of the kingdom of man. That was to separate us from the animals. But it's the image of Christ in us that separates us from mankind. And unless Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, um, you're just a melting iceberg. And, and, and all your particular parts will just go into the ocean. But in Christ, we become something more, seated with Christ in the heavenlies. This is so big. It will change how you look at the events around us. You know, I've been, you know, today, my back, my, my stenosis in my neck was hurting so bad I couldn't turn my hand to the left. I actually had somebody come to the church and perform acupuncture on the left side of my body and do cupping. Uh, it was about like two hours ago because my body was, was hurting so bad and the pain in my neck was hurting so bad and I didn't want to take narcotics because that could make this service a little bit funny. Uh, you know, it's like, less, oh, he, he was so stoned, you know. But, but it's like, but I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision that am I going to let my pain define me and the rest of my life, or do I want to be a part of this exciting moment of declaring the kingdom of God? So I'm like, girl, stick me. You know, do whatever you got to do. Because I want to be up there and I want to tell these people about who Jesus is and about his incredible kingdom. Now, that doesn't make me a hero. This is just a small thing. But God's inviting you to be a part of something big, something wonderful. And too many of us are looking at the events around us and we're just getting stuck in the mud. I'm excited because you know what? I pray for healing for my neck, my spine, or all the other things that go wrong with me, that fungus on my big toe, all of it. I pray for all, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nasty looking fungus. Let me just tell you that. My grand, grandkids, you know how grandkids are? They'll point out things when they're real little. They'll hold you on and say, Papa, what's that? I said, they all go to my big toe. And they're all like, what happened to Papa's big toe? Uh, but the, here's the thing. I now know in about 25 years, all that's going to be done with. I only have to live with this for 25 more years. You say, what's going to happen? Well, then this little iceberg is no longer going to be in two kingdoms any longer. It's only going to be in one kingdom. And it's going to be in the kingdom of eternal life. And mortality will put on immortality. And it's like, when you start getting that, am I, I mean, I would say like two years ago, I was like really afraid of dying. Now I'm a little bit afraid of dying. I mean, well, moderately afraid of dying. I don't think anybody really wants to die. But when you catch a hold of the concept of immortality, eternal life with God, and that it's happening right now, it changes everything. Pain's not just pain. It's not just misery anymore. 
it's a learning experience. You know, everything that we go through all of a sudden has some sort of redeemable value to it, even in, in the world of mankind. It will change how you look at life. It will change how you talk to your husband. It will change how you talk to your kids. Here, here's a kind of a, 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 an idea that I had that I really, I think it's so true. When I see that I am part of something that is forever good, it changes how I live in a place that is frequently bad. I love it when God gives me quotes like that because it took like five seconds for that quote to come out. And it's like, well, I mean, that's a really good quote. Feel free to tweet it out. Okay, make me famous, all right? No, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> but it's like, why is that so good? It's because it came from another kingdom. It came from the Holy Spirit into my life. And he's like, hey, listen, if you could, you okay with living, feeling, you know, frequently bad once in a while, but I'm promising you forever good? Do we have a deal? I'm like, yeah, we got a deal. Um, and, and you face the frequent badness of the world with so much more strength when you realize the forever good of the kingdom of God that's being offered you right now. So we're all fighting about who's a girl, who's a boy. We hate the men, we love the women, the blacks, the whites. We're all fighting over what? Man kingdoms. We've done this before. Let me just tell you, you put the ladies in charge and they'll just become as wicked as the men who are in charge. You put the blacks in charge, they'll become just like the whites were who were in charge. You, it doesn't matter. You can move around all the materials, even the homo sapiens on the planet. But you bring the kingdom of God into your life, and all of a sudden, whites and blacks are living together in peace. Men are valuing women, and women are valuing men. We discover our identity not from the material of our gender, but from our identity in Christ. Does this expose to you how weak our plan to fix the earth is without Christ? We're just shuffling stuff around. Well, they've had it for a while. Let's give it to them now. Well, don't worry. They'll do the same thing with it that these, this group did with it over here. History is replete with what the nature of the, the kingdom of man is. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't even see this. You need to be born not only of, of water, meaning the amniotic fluid, the born of woman, but also you need to be born of the spirit. Two concurrent kingdoms working together, simultaneously together, and you can bring the kingdom of God into your workplace. Instead of waiting for a political party with clay feet to rise up out of the earth, there's a kingdom that comes down from heaven, from Christ, that is eternal and lasts forever. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep on seeking the things that are above. Stop looking in the mud for your answer. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things that are above, not things of the earth. The principles of God, the principles of Christ, abiding in his word and his truth. He's saying, set your mind on that. I know CNN screaming at you, and I know Fox is screaming at you, and I know this political party and this political party, and then somebody walks in and shoots up a school, and I know that it's so easy to get caught in the mud. And he says, seek the kingdom of God in his righteousness first. 
And that will take care of some of this tertiary stuff that's going on in your humankind world. So let me close with this. Eternal life is not so much a measure of time. It's a statement of quality. It's a quality of life. I don't please God to get eternal life. I please God because I have been given eternal life. So, so, so let me just ask you this question before we come to communion. Are you part of the life unto the age? Because it's very important. It's not a universal promise. It's a universal invitation. But it says, to as many as receive him, he gives the power to become the children of God. We've already been the children of mankind and seen what we can accomplish. But we are invited through Christ to be part of another kingdom. Are you a part of the life unto the age? And today, through Jesus Christ, you can be. To accept him as Lord and Savior in life, and declare that he, was, he died and rose on the third day to show he is greater than the age that you and I are living in. Let me ask you this. Are you living in this age as a Christian, but your head's down? You feel like God has forgotten you. Depression, all those things that you get your head down and in the mud. You're like, is your slogan, the world is going to hell in a handbasket? Have you forgotten that Jesus is building a kingdom? Have you gotten your head down on your marriage? Have you gotten it down on your children? Have you gotten it down on yourself? I have everything that plagues you in mind and body probably plagues me. But he is the glory and the lifter of, a, of my head. And we are called to not look down, but look unto the hill from where comes our salvation. From the kingdom of our God and Christ, we have forgotten it. We've looked for an answer in the mud, and one has come to us from the cross. Let me ask you this. Are you trying to live in this age on your terms, seizing life for yourself? We can villainize Adam and Eve all day long. If it wasn't them, if it kept on going up and paradise was sustained, when it got to me, I was going to bite. I would have bitten the fruit. And I've been biting the fruit ever since I've been born. And my question to you is, do you really think biting the fruit, living life on your own terms, there was nothing magical about that fruit, right? You guys know that, right? It was just the fact that they were declaring to God, I want a kingdom on my own terms. Are you trying to do this on your own terms? You're looking for it to arise out of your color, your wealth, or your gender? You're gonna find out it doesn't work. It's got a, it will only arrive through the image of Christ in you as we walk and we follow after him. Are you trying to go back to a past age? You're thinking days were better back then for America, for you. I need to get back to it. I need a facelift. I need to lose 25 pounds. I need to get a Harley. I need to do whatever it is to get me back to that age when I felt alive. Israel did that all the time. They were three days out of Egypt. Three days out of Egypt. And they saw the desert in front of them with God and then he started looking back and say, complained to Moses, hey, can we go back? I want to go back there. 
that we're not willing to take the journey with God. Let me encourage you. There is nothing in the, back, in the past for you that's going to make your future great other than the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Bringing this closer to home, an age was defined as by Tim as a period of time that had constant characteristics. Does your marriage have the elements of Christ's age in it? Maybe on Sunday morning you come here, but are the constant characteristics of forgiveness, love, truth, compassion, are they, are they the marks of the age of Christ in our lives? As we come and receive the bread and the cup, what God is reminding us through the death and resurrection of Christ is that He, Christ, is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life to the kingdom. And that kingdom is now. He taught his disciples, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, concurrently on earth, just like concurrently it is happening in heaven that it can happen in my life right now. Let me encourage you to to grab a hold of this. And I think most of us are in the mud and we're spinning our wheels and we're hoping for a we're hoping for a Biden or a Trump or a, or, or, or a new job or a new wife or a new husband or whatever, something to rise up out of the kingdom of men that's going to make it better. I'm telling you, just look through history. There's only one who can bring life and that is Jesus. Father, we thank you and today we come as we take this bread and this cup, we remind ourselves that we are, we have one foot in the kingdom of man, but we are seated in the kingdom of God and his Christ. Father, and for those that are here that both feet are firmly planted in the mud, we've all been there. You are offering them the promise of new life. And if you're here today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle, fill out a card. I'm not going to do any of that. But I am going to ask you to consider, are you born again? Not in Baptist terms, not in charismatic terms, not in evangelical terms. I'm talking about in kingdom terms. Is Jesus Christ Lord of your life? Because through that confession and belief, new life happens. We invite you into new life. And if that's a decision you make today, our pastors will be over to the side. Feel free to pray with one of them and just talk to them about it and they'll help you in all that. But today, the kingdom of God is here. Not just the kingdom of man, the kingdom of religion, the kingdom of church. Today, heaven is here with all of its grace and all of its truth. And God is inviting you to it.